A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Excuse me, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This text seemed to piggyback well to me on Christ's call to us last year even when Last week, I mean, not last year. That would be hard to remember a sermon from last year, wouldn't it? But from last week when we heard that Jesus said, if you're going to make this confession about me, Peter, then you belong behind me, not in front of me. Not telling me who I'm supposed to be, but following me in who I am and where I go. And where I'm going is suffering and a cross. And you're invited too to take up your cross and give up your life with me For me, so that you can have what? What did Jesus promise them they would have? Was it death? Was it church? Was it death? Eternal life. He said they'd have life, didn't he, Clyde? That's good news, isn't it? We can have five on that. He said if you give up your life, you'll have life. And so then we can hear that as something other than a threat, can't we? The thought to give up serving ourselves doesn't have to be a threat to us. But you know what? More often than not, it is. Because of this other thing that the Bible warns us about all the time called idolatry. Remember when God said, hey, I'm a jealous God. You'll have no other gods before me. Over and over through the Scriptures, the people are warned by the prophets and by Moses that idolatry will steal their life. And that's what Jesus is telling them. And I think that's what Paul is hitting around. Because one of the worst kinds of idolatry there is, is elevating our own needs and wants above the needs and wants of God. Now saying that's usually the kind of thing that gets preachers in trouble. 
Preachers like Jesus, who was crucified for it. We're called not to put ourselves first. Listen to what Paul says. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. Now, I can think of all kinds of things I've owed people through my life. I owe some people money. Most of them I've paid. Some of them I'm still paying. I probably borrowed something from somebody at some point that's still in my house and I owe it back to them, right? Some men get tools that way. I don't. I put your wrench back, Delane. <laughs> oh, no one anything. But you know, sometimes don't we leave conversations thinking, I should have said so and so and I'd have won that argument? Or I owe her getting back at her. Or I owe her something. Oh, she's going to get what's coming to her. Haven't we thought that? Haven't we been guilty of thinking differently than Paul here? What about when we said these children who came here as young children have no place in our society? Though they're doing everything we've asked from paying taxes to working to being productive citizens, now all of a sudden we decide we can't love them because they weren't born here. Do we have any inkling that Paul would support that from this text? I have none. I can't make it stand. And it stresses me out because I want to live in a safe country too. And I'm not happy about people coming here from Buenos Aires wanting to blow us up because our borders like an envelope that's been ripped open. And it puts us in tension with the world. Because we want to hold up this word from Paul. It says, love your neighbor as yourself and you fulfill everything God has ever asked the people of God to do. Everything. And we think, yeah, but Paul, but not these people because they don't belong here. And not these people because they don't look and dress like I do. Or not these people because they don't think like I do. They don't belong to my party or my social club. Not them, Paul. Anybody but them. And I can't help but think that Paul would remind us of Jesus' parable of the Samaritan. And that Jesus' point was that our neighbor is whoever happens to be lying in our way as we walk about life. And what do we owe them? Love. Not the emotion, mind you. Because I can say I love CJ and never do anything good for him, couldn't I? CJ said, why me, man? Let's say CJ is hungry and I have 12 loaves of bread at my house. And I tell CJ, I love you, CJ, but I let CJ be hungry. What do you think, church? Have I loved CJ? No. And that's where our happiness fails us. When we hold on to our extra and we hold on to our needs as being the most important things. That's when happiness fails us and walks away from us. John Wesley said we can only be happy when we're holy and it's hard to be holy if we aren't happy. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But he held the two things together. And in a way, I think that's what Paul is doing. Because those things that he says that adultery and, and wickedness and licentiousness and quarreling and all of these other things he mentions, drunkenness and living in darkness, words of darkness and walking around without hope, 
standing around stealing and coveting are all things that make us either feel bad about ourselves later or destroy other people. And usually we do those things because we want to meet a need we have. That someone else or something isn't meeting. Or because we think there won't be enough for us. And what rears its head in us is a sinful selfishness that says, but I can't love them because it will cost me something. Well, maybe that's why Paul uses the word owe. There was a time when we were all owed something that we were not given. We're owed judgment. We're owed condemnation. We're owed the pit of hell. But instead, God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were owed death, Christ died for us and gave us what we are not owed. Freely. Of His own self. Of His own desire. Out of His own love for us. And He says to us, follow Me. Live as I live. Love as I love. One of my new friends that I've been following on Facebook wrote something this week that I asked if I could share with you because I think it's beautiful and I think it has deep truth in it, especially if we add one more line. This is what she wrote. We all focus so much on being in love with somebody... Why not try being in love with life? I bet then true happiness will prevail. I think there's great truth in that. If we learn to be in love with life and the gift of life and just to live instead of worrying about who loves us and who doesn't, we might be able to walk in some real freedom. But if we add on to that, that all of this is possible if we learn to have our happiness in loving Christ, We could say we all focus so much on being in love with somebody. Why not try being in love with Jesus? I bet then true happiness will prevail. I told her the only thing I would change is to change life to Jesus because Jesus is life. And that's what Paul wants us to take hold of. That all of these other things, all of the other needs that we think prevent us from loving other people all lead to death. The gratifying of our fleshly desires all leads to death, but loving Jesus and loving others in Jesus' name leads to life. What if we stopped focusing so hard on loving other people and loving stuff, on being in love and just lived in love? Action. Instead of focusing on emotion, what if we focused on actions? What if we focused on actually showing people love? It's an easy thing to say we love our neighbors. It starts to look like life when we actually do it. And Paul wants us to know today, dear ones, that if we do love, if we act love out, 
if we live in love, if we actually go out and share the love of Christ with people, then we fulfill the entirety of the law. We fulfill everything God has asked of God's people through that simple action of being kind and merciful and compassionate and sharing. And Paul has already laid out just a little bit earlier what that looks like. Listen to these words from the 12th chapter of Romans. He says, Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who weep. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. And lastly, he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. For dear ones, just as I shared with our young people a little bit ago, you were being remade in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared in advance to do, for you to do. And what you're being remade to look like is love, the embodiment of it. Not to throw around the emotion, but to actually do love. To actually love someone in these ways that Paul has said. By serving them and caring for them. It may be offensive to hear that God expects us to take care of others. But the good news, dear ones, is that we are being changed so that that word can be comforting to us. Because what that means is that God intends to use us. If Paul is right and God intends to put it into our hearts to owe one another nothing but love, then dear ones, that's good news. If God intends to put it into us to owe one another nothing but love and charity and mercy and kindness and compassion and all of those things that Christ has given to us, that's good news. But as the Bible warns us over and over and over, we are prone to want something different because we recognize that if we let God do to us, it means we can't serve ourselves first. We can't make ourselves most important anymore. And that causes this to feel like a threat. And as I thought about that this week at Bishop's School, and I was thinking about what to say about that, 
thinking about what that means in my own life and all those places where I'm preserving myself and preserving what I want and making my needs the most important thing and serving my needs and concerned about who cares about me and who doesn't, who likes me and who doesn't. And all those things that filter through our minds that inevitably separate us from other people. I wondered, how much does my desire to have my own needs met separate me from who Christ wants me to be? A person who loves his neighbor as himself. And it's something you may not know about me. I don't tell a whole lot of people this, but I write poetry sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes. And I wrote something while I was sitting there, and, and it was while the bishop was preaching. Y'all don't tell the bishop. Bishop doesn't listen to my podcast, so he won't know if y'all don't tell him. But I wrote this because I realized that I want what Paul is saying here to be deeply true for me. I want to owe everyone love. To feel like I owe it to them. Like I have to give it to them. Like I don't have a choice because it's who I am and who I need to be. What I really need to be is not a person concerned about myself, but a person who loves Christ so much that all I can do is serve others. Any of y'all want to be that? That's what I want. And so I wrote these words as I was listening either to the bishop preaching or Mark Tidsworth teaching. I can't remember which now. I wrote this. I love you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, you are my heart. I want to follow you in all things, O Lord. Draw me apart. Separate me from my guilt, my sin, my harm, to self, to some, and to same. Sweet, sweet Lord, let nothing of death remain. That's a prayer I wrote for me as I thought about this text. Because what I realized, if I serve anything other than my debt to other people to love them because of what Christ has done for me, then I'm serving death. Because all that is life in this world is Christ. And if I chase after anything different and serve anything other than Christ, if I serve anything other than owing love to everyone, to the least, to the most outcast, to people that other people just love to hate, then I'm not serving Christ but death. And I'm serving sinfulness in myself and my own desire to have whatever I want. I wrote those words and have been praying those words. And I thought that today I would bring some of those. And if you would like to join me this week in praying these words, there's a little card that looks like this. It's out in the vestibule on the small table, not the one where the bulletins are, but the other. Pick one up. I'm going to pray this for myself all week. That somehow the Lord would continue to separate me from my love, from myself, from my guilt, from my sin, from all those things that hold me back from being what Paul is saying God is calling me to be.
A person who owes nothing to anyone but love. There's some here on the altar rail. If you're a person that goes out the front, feel free to pick one up. And join me in praying this prayer. Hoping that Christ will continue to work in us. So that we might truly be people who seek to owe no one anything but to show them the love of Christ. That's my hope for us, church. That that's who we will be together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.